From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, good afternoon and welcome to this Tuesday edition of Washington Watch. I'm your host today, Jody Heiss. I'm the Senior Vice President here at the Family Research Council, and I'm honored to be sitting in today for Tony. I'll fill you in in just a few moments as to where he is, but I want to thank you for making Washington Watch part of your day, and I do believe we've got a tremendous program lined up for you. Let me give you some of the highlights. This morning, the Family Research Council released an update to its report on incidents of hostility against churches. And friends, I'll just tell you, there is no way to sugarcoat the findings that this 2023 report saw. Uh, There are significant increases in these church attacks, uh, as there were some 436 acts of hostility against churches between January and November of 2023 alone. 436 That is more than double the entire number of of, uh, hostile acts in 2022. Well, Pastor Rob Rotola, who is the senior pastor of the Word of Life Church in Wichita, Kansas, will be joining me here in a little while to talk about his church's experience and how Christians need to respond to these type of attacks. And the United Nations Security Council today, uh, the U.S. provided the lone veto to a resolution calling for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza. This happens to be the third time that the U.S. has vetoed such U.N. attempts to handcuff Israel in its fight literally for survival. Demanding an immediate, unconditional ceasefire without an agreement requiring Hamas to release the hostages will not bring about a durable peace. Instead, it could extend the fighting between Hamas and Israel extend the hostages' time in captivity, an experience described by former hostages as hell, and extend the dire humanitarian crisis Palestinians are facing in Gaza. None of us want that. None of us want that. That was Linda Thomas-Greenfield. She is the U.S. ambassador to the U.N. She was speaking to the U.N. Security Council right before the vote today. So as anti-Israel sentiment builds both worldwide and, frankly, right here domestically, especially during this election year, the question is, will the Biden administration continue this stance or will it cave under pressure? I'll be talking in just a few moments about that with Texas Congressman Nathaniel Moran, who happens to be a member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee. And speaking of the Biden administration, We continue to track how the Department of Justice has been weaponized to target political opponents. Uh, Is the recent arrest, which I'm sure many of you have heard by now, of FBI informant Alexander Smirnov, is all this yet another example of political weaponization? Well, former FBI Special Agent Steve Friend will be sharing his thoughts a little bit later in the program. And then you may be wondering why Family Research Council president and your usual host of the Washington Watch program, Tony Perkins, is not in the chair today. Well, he's in Nashville, Tennessee for the National Religious Broadcasters Convention, NRB. But he will be joining me a little bit later in the program to share some highlights, including the recognition 
that he received for this program. He'll also be talking with me about FRC's report on the skyrocketing incidents of hostility against churches. So we've got a lot to cover coming straight your way. Remember, our website is TonyPerkins.com. Tons of resources available there for you, including notes of today's program as well as archives of previous programs. So be sure to check it out there at TonyPerkins.com. All right, let's jump in to today's program. Earlier today, the U.S. used its veto power at the U.N. Security Council to kill a resolution from Algeria demanding an immediate ceasefire in Israel's war against Hamas. Well, according to U.S. diplomats, that resolution literally jeopardizes ongoing negotiations to broker the release of hostages that are currently being held by Hamas. And with domestic pressure building from the left, calling on the Biden administration to abandon support for Israel, what can we expect as this continues to play out. Well, joining me now to discuss this and more is Congressman Nathaniel Moran. He serves on three committees, two of which are extremely critical to this particular topic. Those would be the Foreign Affairs Committee and the Judiciary Committee. He represents the 1st Congressional District of Texas. Congressman Moran, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to have you. Thanks for having me today. It's always a pleasure to be here with you guys. Well, thank you so much. All right, let's uh, let's just jump into this with the U.S. Uh, using its veto power today to kill the ceasefire resolution at the U.N. Security Council. Give me some of your thoughts on that. I'm certainly glad that we are standing with Israel at this point on this resolution and, and uh, did not vote for the ceasefire, but the trend, unfortunately, is going the wrong way. The administration has shown a willingness to call for a temporary ceasefire. It, it appears that they may be ready to move forward with a resolution of the UN Security Council to say that uh, we should call on a on Israel to stop their offensive in Rafah and and uh, and to have a temporary ceasefire. And that simply, in my estimation, is a mistake. We need to be standing firm, firmly and strongly on behalf of our ally. Uh, Israel. We need to say clearly to Hamas that we agree with Israel when it says Hamas needs to be completely eradicated. There's no place for them in this world. They've determined that they're set out for evil, and we need to make sure that justice comes their way swiftly and firmly. Absolutely. You know, and I, I do want to capitalize on something you said there, because really the veto today, I think, can be looked upon as both a bittersweet uh, vote that we took, because as you mentioned, the reality, the, the sweet part of it is that we, we vote, vetoed this resolution. The bitter part of it is, as you mentioned, the Biden administration is circulating its own draft resolution and its own six-week pause, calling for a six-week pause, a temporary ceasefire. Uh, you know, how, how, in your opinion, should the administration be dealing with Israel right now? Well, we should be sending very public signals that we stand firmly with uh, Israel and their defense of their nation against this terrorist act and this terrorist organization, and that we're not going to stop until the Hamas has been eradicated. We're seeing these trends, I think, fr frankly, because of political pressures that are happening inside the, uh, the administration of President Biden that come from kind of this pro-Iran and pro-Hamas and pro um 
frankly, pro-terrorist viewpoint. Some of it is even coming out coming out of uh, Michigan, and you see this. And when you see Michigan on the electoral map, you know it's a very important uh, place for the president to be watching. And I think he's being swayed by the politics instead of the good policy in this realm. The other thing I'm going to say about this is, uh, frankly, it's, it's hard to believe that we were the sole veto here. You're talking about the United Nations, an organization that was created to s- specifically uh, provide for peace and prosperity and stability around the world. And we're the only nation that's objecting to this resolution. That seems inconceivable to me. And it further, I think, underscores the need to, uh, to completely uh, redo what's happening in the United Nations. Yeah, that uh, was very alarming to me. You know, again, the good news, this is, I believe, the third time that the U.S. has exercised this veto, the first being uh, really within two weeks of the of uh, uh, the attacks. Uh, but, you know, now, as you mentioned, the fact that we are now the only nation vetoing such a resolution of this is alarming to me. Does this communicate to you just how rampant anti-Israel and anti-Semitic feelings are among so many nations around the world? Or is there something else going on that I don't recognize? You're, you're right, hit the nail right on the head, uh, Jody. It is anti-Semitism at its worst. We're seeing, again, the rise of anti-Semitism, just like we saw pre-World War II. We've got to stand firmly against it. Otherwise, we're going to, uh, unfortunately, see some of the repeat of what's happened, what happened in World War II, and we do not want to see that happen again. We had a, um, a hearing in Foreign Affairs Committee just a few weeks ago that dealt with UNRWA, the United Nations organization that's supposed to provide relief in these uh, in these uh, specific instances. And what we found was there was anti-Semitic and anti-American and anti-Western uh, propaganda and its educational um, uh, educational information that's given out to its kids that 12 of the members of UNRWA actually participated directly with the attacks on October the 7th against Israel and that there was more anti-Semitic feelings among those involved in UNRWA than, uh, honestly, than you know, we've ever seen before. And it's very disturbing to, to know that we are actually providing funds to this United Nations organization that is not working uh, to pro- provide peace and stability in that region, but really it's working antithetical to that goal and that end. Absolutely. Uh, well, listen, before I let you go, uh, FRC, we've been tracking, as you may be aware of, all the attacks on churches in the United States And the new report that's just come out has identified that there were 436 incidents in 2023 alone. Uh, That's doubling uh, the church attacks from the previous year. Uh, In December 22, uh, when FRC first released this report, the Department of Justice and the White House both said that they would engage on this issue But we've all just stood back and watched, frankly, their focus remain on pro-life advocates and concerned parents instead. Uh, Do you have any thoughts on these attacks that we're watching increasing, accelerating on churches across the United States? Well, Jody, I'm so glad you asked me about this because there's no question uh, part of this, part of the reason the rise of this is because that behavior has been modeled by the federal government and the Department of Justice itself. 
Department of Justice has targeted folks like Catholic institutions and called them domestic terrorists and parents who complain at school board meetings. And we've seen the application of the Freedom of Access to Clinics Entrances Act, that FACE Act, uh, has gone against pro-life individuals but hasn't been applied against pro abortion individuals as it relates to clinics and and activities at clinics. So you see the Department of Justice weaponizing its political views against everyday Americans and against religious institutions and against faith based organizations. There's no um, there's no question that when we do that, we model that behavior, more of that's going to happen by private individuals day in and day out and it's a shame. It really is a shame and it's it's exceedingly frightful to see a government becoming increasingly weaponized against political opponents or individuals that go against the agenda of of the administration. Uh, By the way, you can read the report yourself, any of you listening or watching right now, uh, by simply texting the word CHURCH to 67742, or you can uh, follow links at TonyPerkins.com. It's there as well. Uh, But text the word CHURCH to 67742, or follow the links at TonyPerkins.com and get the full report. This is something you'll definitely want to stay on top of. Thank you, Congressman Nathaniel Moran. We appreciate so much all the incredible work you do, and thank you for joining us on Washington Watch. Keep standing strong. We'll do so. You do the same. All right, friends, coming up, we are going to have a former FBI special agent joining me to discuss the Biden administration's weaponization We're just talking about that. We're going to go deeper into it. The Biden administration's weaponization of the Department of Justice against political opponents. Chilling information. You don't want to miss it. We'll come your way right after the break. Stay tuned. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. 
You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers and their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Well, good afternoon and welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Jody Heiss, sitting in today for Tony. All right, before we jump into our next guest, I need your help. You know, our country has seen record numbers of illegal border crossings under President Joe Biden's watch. And we've got a petition going to House leadership urging them to use all available leverage possible to stop the flow of illegal immigrants, the drugs, the human trafficking, and so much more that's coming across our nation's southern border And we are asking you to join us by signing the petition, and we're going to deliver it to House leadership. You can get this petition, a couple of options available there for you. You can go to frcaction.org slash border. That's frcaction.org slash border. Or you can simply text the word border to 67742. We urge you, come along with us. The more voices And the more signatures that we can deliver to them, the more powerful the message that the American people want to see our southern border secure. All right. Many of you watched last week Alexander Smirnov, the longtime FBI informant. He was charged last week with lying to the FBI. Well, he appeared today in a federal court in Las Vegas. He is being charged with providing false and derogatory information to the FBI regarding the president and his son, Hunter. Well, the left, of course, is saying that Smirnov's allegations are, uh, are, are critical to this whole investigation and the fact that he has lied now, the whole thing needs to be thrown out. Well, Republican investigators are saying that Smirnov's testimony is just a mere fraction of the abundant evidence that they have against the Bidens, which includes everything from bank records to a host of other witnesses. So the question then becomes, is this yet another example of the Biden administration weaponizing the Department of Justice to target a political opponent? Well, joining me now to discuss this is himself, a former FBI special agent, Steve Friend. He's the senior fellow at the Center for Renewing America, He's also co-host of the American Radicals podcast and the author of the book, True Blue, which explains his career-ending decision to become a whistleblower 
and to explain all the FBI's politicization and abuse against conservative America. Steve, welcome to Washington Watch. It's an honor to have you. It's an honor to be here. Thanks for having me today. All right. Well, you spent years with the FBI, and eventually you testified against many uh, there in regard to the practices, the many practices that were being used. Given what you know, uh, how did you react when you learned of Smirnov's arrest last week? You know, it uh, it sounded very familiar to me. I, it actually reminded me a lot of the uh, the ordeal that we saw with the two individuals who recovered Ashley Biden's diary in Florida and then gave that uh, journal to Project Veritas. And uh, Joe Biden and the Biden administration weaponized the Department of Justice and the FBI, the attack dog, to go after those people and put them in a cage for transporting mislaid property across state lines and then actually had James O'Keefe pulled out of his apartment in his underpants to embarrass him and humiliate him when he had not even run that diary as a story. It's more evidence that the DOJ and the FBI are completely weaponized against significant portions of the country and doing the bidding of the Biden administration. Yeah, that is so chilling to hear that. I mean, look, we don't know all the exactly what uh, Smirnoff told the FBI, uh, uh, but his testimony is just one piece of a bigger puzzle. And what you've just described, I mean, is this the FBI targeting him to discredit the entire investigation, do you think, or just to target a political opponent? I believe it is, and I think it actually goes further than that, because if you look at Smirnoff's record, he has been paid in excess of six figures for his services rendered as a confidential human source, which means he was a very reliable informant for the FBI. So now the FBI is willing to burn down all the evidence and all the information he's provided them on other investigations that have likely led to convictions of felons to break his credibility to protect the Biden administration. So now anyone who's been charged with a crime can go back and say, well, the informant who provided the information against me was not reliable and perjured himself and and, and lied to federal agents when it came to the Biden administration. So the FBI and the DOJ are willing to sacrifice all their successful prosecutions of righteous cases in order to circle the wagons and protect the Biden family. Wow, that's uh, I haven't haven't thought from that perspective how this could uh, backfire and just create all sorts of damage to the department and who knows what other cases. So, uh, given let's go this just a little bit further down this path. Given your history, your background, just how dangerous uh, do you think things have become under this current Department of Justice? Well, I think it's been revealed. Um, a few uh, months ago, it actually got leaked out, but it's something that uh, I was aware of for the last couple of years. We've seen the evolution of the National Security Division of the FBI as it's evolved from being the sentry on the wall to protect the homeland to then going after homegrown violent extremists who were really just vulnerable Muslims to then domestic violent extremists. And now the new one that's been leaked into the ecosystem, and that's the anti-government, anti-authority violent extremist, uh, the agave, if you will, if you want to play government acronym. And that's someone with just a perception of government overreach or negligence or illegitimacy. That fits the profile of someone who could find themselves in the crosshairs of a domestic terrorist investigation from the FBI. The FBI is willing, ready, and able to go after anyone they can to hit their quota system and to do the bidding of their masters at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. 
I tell you what, that ought to send chills up and down the spine of everything, everyone watching and listening to the program right now. Uh, it is it is so frightening to think that our FBI, that the Department of Justice, has become a a political tool to intimidate, to harass, to potentially arrest, or whatever they want to do, as you described it, to political opponents. This is a chilling thing. We're going to keep blowing the horn here, and hopefully we'll be able to see Congress rein this in. Steve, Fran, I want to thank you so much for taking time to join us today on Washington Watch. Thanks for stepping up, for speaking out. We appreciate it a great deal. Thank you, sir. Great to be here. All right, friends, uh, chilling information, but uh, we are bringing it to you here on Washington Watch. All right, after the break, we have a very, very special guest who will be joining me right here on Washington Watch. You don't want to miss it. Our very own president, Tony Perkins, will be joining me after the break. Stay tuned. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Good afternoon and welcome back to Washington Watch. It's an honor to be with you. I'm your host, Jody Heiss, sitting in today for Tony. And thank you so much for making Washington Watch part of your day today. Well, earlier today at NRB, the National Religious Broadcasters Convention, which is taking place in Nashville, Tennessee, this program, Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, received NRB's 2024 Television Impact Award. This is an award that is granted to a person, station, program, network, or ministry that has illustrated over time 
a consistent and unique impact on Christian television and or to the body of Christ as a whole. And we all here at FRC are extremely honored by this recognition and certainly give God all the thanks and the praise for that. But also we extend to you, the viewers and the listeners, a huge heartfelt thank you for making this part of your day. Uh, and you do so at a time, quite frankly, when biblical worldviews are being marginalized and silenced. Well, joining me now to discuss this and much more is our very own president of the Family Research Council, Tony Perkins, and your normal, typical daily host here at Washington Watch. Tony, thank you so much, and congratulations. What a great honor. Well, thank you, Jody, and thanks for filling in today. I, I think they told me it was the Friday host that secured this uh, award for us. Uh, hey, listen, I assure you the Friday host is hanging on to your coattails each and every week. But, uh, look, this is a huge award. And let, let me just say, too, what an incredible team you've put together here, the comms team, the media team uh, at Washington Watch. Also, all of them deserve a huge congratulations. But you, Tony, yeah, you they, have led the way. A well-deserved award. Well, it, it is a it is a team effort, and thanks for bringing that up. We've got a great team here at the Family Research Council that produces Washington Watch each day. And, and, and as you said, I want to echo thanking our viewers and our listeners who are a part of this program each and every day. And I want to thank the partners that make this available. I, I, I don't say this enough, but Washington Watch is only here because of men and women of faith who care about this country and want truth to be proclaimed, and they partner with You receive no government money. Money. Uh, we don't have advertisers. We're here because people do uh, share in this award today that we received here in Nashville at the National Living Broadcasters. Well, that's incredible. Tony, if you can, I've, I've heard the story, but maybe some of our viewers and listeners have not. How, uh, how you, the, this launch, this program launched to begin with and how it's evolved and grown, what was your vision with Washington Watch at the very beginning? Well, it's a good question, Jody. We were at the tip of the spear when it came to the cancel culture. We were being canceled before canceled was cool. And, and so I saw that trend uh, almost 14 years ago. And so what we did is uh, we had a, um, a, week, a weekly program at the time, but we decided that we knew that there was coming a time when legacy media would not give us a platform, of course that's today, to talk about biblical issues, human sexuality, marriage, family, life, all of those issues. So we began long ago, 14 years ago, plotting out that course of a daily program to bring news and information from our nation's capital with the newsmakers from a biblical perspective. And of course during COVID, Technology rapidly began to change, and we were able to morph this into both a radio and now a television program. So it it, it was kind of the Lord's leading. We just uh, we do a lot of praying at the Family Research Council, and as the Lord leads, we uh, we we move. When the cloud moves, we move. Well, this has been an enormous door to step through, and just uh, uh, that being. Um, highlighted today at NRB is just an enormous statement of the Lord's leadership. And speaking of NRB, the convention there, give us kind of some of the highlights. What's going on? Many of us watch other and listen to uh, multiple different Christian media. Uh, what's the flavor there at the convention this week? 
Well, this is, it's just starting tonight. Actually, this afternoon, people are coming in, so it really kicks off tonight and goes through the rest of the week. But, you know, it's interesting. I've, I've had multiple conversations uh, with many of the uh, TV networks and radio networks that carry Washington Watch. There's a sense of, uh, uh, there's a soberness in terms of the hour in which we live, but also I'm picking up on a sense of anticipation, and that anticipation comes from knowing that God is on the move, and so Christian broadcasting is so important when it comes to sharing hope. I mean, Jody, you and I talk about this all the time. If we were just uh, influenced by what we see with our eyes, especially in Washington, D.C., when it comes to politics, of all people, we would be you know, depressed, anxious. Uh, we would be reaching for the medicine cabinet. But we have hope, and our hope is in Christ. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever and by being in his word, and this is why we're doing Stand on the Word, is that we know, how, we know the character and the nature of God. And God shows up when people need him the most and when they are willing to cry out to him. And I believe that's where we are as a nation. And so I'm anticipating God is going to show up and he's going to move. But we've got to be on our knees, on our face, in his word, abiding in him, looking toward him. And, and I believe... We've got some exciting times ahead for the church. Well, that is great news, and never is it uh, can we have too little hope. I mean, we of all people, believers, uh, have every reason to be filled with hope. Tony, I want to talk to you some more after the break, if we can, about the attacks that are coming out against uh, churches the report from FRC that just was released today. If you can stick around after the break, I'd love to go down that path with you. Absolutely. All right, folks, stay tuned. Much more coming your way. Tony Perkins and I will continue this conversation. You don't want to miss it. We'll be back in just a moment. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Keith Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. 
It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Well, good afternoon and welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Jody Heiss. Glad to be sitting in for Tony today. And we're going to continue our conversation with Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Uh, And as I mentioned earlier in the program, FRC today released a new update to its December 22 report entitled, uh, Hostility Against Churches is on the Rise in the United States. In uh, 2023... This past year, FRC identified 436 incidents, more than double the total number that were identified in 2022. And by the way, that's more than eight times the number that was identified in 2018. Look, there's no other way to look at this, but these findings suggest that hostility against U.S. churches is not only on the rise, but it's accelerating well, continuing the discussion on this is Tony Perkins, of course, the president here at the Family Research Council. Tony, thanks for sticking around. I know you've got a lot going on, but this is an important topic here. In, in very much uh, an important topic, one that we need to be aware of, and this is why we're doing Ariel de Turco, our director for our Center for Religious Freedom at the Family Research Council, was the one that did the research on this project. She's been doing it. Uh, we, we, we saw this back during COVID, and so we went back back to 2018. And this is all based on public record information that's out there. But what we, what we found in this last year, as you pointed out, is startling. It's, it's alarming. It's not just that we're seeing an elevated um, level of hostility towards churches. We're seeing it rapidly accelerate. And, and you cannot separate this from the policies that we see coming out of our government. And Jody, I'll put this in context. During the Trump administration, as, as our viewers and listeners know, I served as the chairman of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, which is a bipartisan commission, looking at religious freedom around the world. And, and just, uh, oh, I guess just yesterday. Last week, I was talking about uh, Nigeria, identified as a country of particular concern, which allows uh, sanctions because of religious persecution going on in those countries. So our foreign policy is indifferent toward religious freedom. 
And our domestic policy under this administration is showing hostility toward biblical teaching and biblical views. There's no other way to, you know, to, to, to look at this other than the policies of this administration that have been not only counter to biblical truth when it comes to human sexuality, parental rights, you name it, but it's been outright hostile. I mean, the abortion, you know, they've been promoting abortion as we've stood for the sanctity of human life. And they've essentially given a green light to attack those institutions, the church, which stands firm on biblical truth and teaching. There's no other way to look at this, Joe. Yeah, there's really not, Tony. And I think the, the, the question that's on the minds of our viewers and listeners right now and Christians all across the country is why. I mean, this has always been a country where religious freedom has been cherished. It has been a, a fundamental principle of who we are as Americans. And now all of a sudden, all of that seems to be uh, not only swept under a rug, but uh, we are watching, as we're describing here, hostility against religious freedom. The, the question right. is why? What What is the bigger picture that you think is going right. on here? That, that, that's, a, that, that's a really, really good question. And, and let me just of these 436 incidents last year, you know, the, the bulk of them are vandalism, uh, then followed by arson, bomb threats, and then even uh, shootings. There were 10 shootings in churches last year. Uh, and that's not including the one we just saw recently at Lakewood in Houston. So what's behind it? I think that's a really good question. We need to probe that. And I think this is the reason is because just like in, you know, again, in, 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 in a in, Previously in my career, I served as a contractor with the State Department in its anti-terrorism field. And so I studied, worked, uh, trained against terrorism. The whole thing, this is, a, this is a form of domestic cultural terrorism. And it's designed to intimidate and to silence. And so what th this is coming from the enemy. And I'm not talking about the enemy of the left. I'm talking about the spiritual enemy of our soul. This is Satan is behind this. And this is designed to intimidate churches into silence, to intimidate Christians into backing away from speaking biblical truth. So here's what we've got to do, not yield to that. We should not operate out of fear. We need to take the, the appropriate preparations, and that's one of the reasons that uh, in our Association of Church Ministries, we've actually done seminars for our churches on how to uh, make, make the basic steps for church security, and then we give them resources to reach out to the experts in the area, but we need to be prepared so our people can come to church with confidence and no fear and they can worship the Lord. But then we also have to vote, Jody. You know this. We need to vote for men and women who respect and understand our vibrant First Amendment freedom. And that is the ability not only to worship God, which the left likes to truncate the First Amendment into, but it is the freedom of worship. That is to live your life according to your faith. That means teaching your children. That means carrying it into the workplace. And the churches that we're seeing come under attack are those that are challenging their people to live out their faith. And so we've got to vote for men and women who respect it and will uphold the freedom of religion in this country. Well, Tony, you're exactly right. That, that is the issue. And, if, you know, fear is paralyzing. And if the body of Christ and our pastors and so forth, spiritual leaders, 
if they embrace the fear that is coming their way right now by this uh, environment that has been created of hostility against people of faith, then they will indeed be silenced. And for those spiritual leaders, not only is that bad enough, but they then don't pass the baton of stepping up to the plate to those who are listening to them. Uh, This is an extremely critical time that's anti-American, but in in about a minute that we have left, Tony, what would you say to pastors and church leaders right now within this environment that we're facing? Well, number one, we've not been given a spirit of fear, but of love and of a sound mind. And so we need to be bold. We need to be courageous and, and live out our faith for the Lord in such a way as it brings honor and glory to him. Yes, we need to take the practical steps to make sure we're protected and safe, but we cannot, we cannot give in to those who would silence us or make us shrink back into the shadows of society. We need to hold forth boldly the banner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Tony, you have been leading that charge for a long time, and every one of us say a deep, heartfelt thank you. Uh, Congratulations on this uh, award that's been uh, the recognition that rightly so that you've uh, been given, but for your leadership on so many issues, thank you so much. Get on back to NRB and uh, have a fantastic time there. All right, friends, you can get this report yourself by texting the word CHURCH to 67742. Just text the word CHURCH to 67742, or you can follow the link at TonyPerkins.com. We urge you to do this. This is not a report that you want to overlook. This is something you need to see. It's something you need to grasp and understand. So uh, text the church 7742 or go to TonyPerkins.com. All right, I want to continue this discussion on the Family Research Council's updated report showing the attacks on American churches doubled, more than doubled, In 2023, from the previous year, 436 reported incidents include, as Tony said, things like vandalism and arson. Uh, There are gun-related incidents, bomb threats, and a host of other things. And it's worth noting, too, uh, that this report does not include every incident. And my next guest will share that. Many incidents go unreported. So this increase in religious hostility should not be taken lightly. It must be outright condemned. And joining me now to share his experience is Rob Rotola. He's the senior pastor of Word of Life Church in Wichita, Kansas, whose own church has been the target of vandalism, theft, and threats of physical violence. Pastor Rotola, welcome to Washington Watch. Glad to have you. Glad to be here. All right. Tell us, uh, first of all, what your church experienced in 2023. So I documented um, 18 separate incidences of either vandalism, theft or hostilities in the year 2023 alone. And that is honestly uh, with ignoring some of the smaller things that didn't even make the list, just minor things. Keep in mind That's just, we only have four properties in and around the Wichita area, uh, two church campuses, a school, and a dormitories. And uh, know this, in Wichita, we are short 100 police officers because the last um, administration, mayor and and team, uh, was moving towards the defunding thing and, and that, and they replaced 
some police officers with social workers. So when you when you call now uh, an incident in, the response time is marketably slower. And um, and so what you end up doing is you policing yourself. You just you don't even report a bunch of things. You just self handle. And that's what we've had to do. We've had uh, those instances just in 2023 alone. One more thing. We are not in the middle of the inner city. We are in a middle class, upper middle class uh, thing situation in all of our properties. And we, we think that the reasons for this are several fold. One that is obvious is there's a general lack of respect for churches more than it used to be. Secondly, the onslaught of media always picturing churches and pastors and ministers and rabbis in almost always a negative light. We're either crooks or we're pedophiles or we're this, that, which has created this onslaught of ill will, which now there's more of a license. And lastly, what I want to share is, is that you don't even report all the incidences anymore because when you report it and they show up 45 minutes later, and sometimes it's not even a police officer, it's a social worker, you just end up really doing the better job policing it yourself. And so what you guys were saying earlier, if we don't take a stand now and speak out and hold our ground, spirit, soul, and body, and do it and provide our own security and things like that, eventually we will be a voiceless society. When I looked at our incidences to determine what is just general theft, vandalism, whether we were at church or anything else, and what was due particularly due to our faith, more than half of the incidences were due to our conservative evangelical faith. Wow. All right, so look, this is, uh, and I, I would encourage you to see the report that we've come out uh, to. I mean, you're a part of this, what what you and uh, your church have experienced. It's, uh, but the the incidences of hostility are drastically on the rise, accelerating, skyrocketing. And we do have a lot of pastors, a lot of church leaders out there who are afraid. Uh, based on your experience, what would you say to pastors and congregations as we are seeing more and more of these type of occurrences? Uh, that you can't consider going voiceless and kind of hiding because if you do that, you end up being uh, Germany pre-Hitler, and, and during Hitler, you end up being quiet. The problem won't get less. The bullies don't get less when you go quiet. They get more. So what we did, for example, we did a conference in October called the Exposed Conference. We did it from a loving standpoint. We were trying to help people in the LGBTQ community, people into the New Age and the cult and other different things. And so we had this conference. And when we had this conference, we were vandalized. We were threatened by the LGBTQ community and others. Why? Because we were not affirming them. We were saying that God can help you if you're in this lifestyle. And even though all the wording we used was very gentle, loving, and kind, uh, we got calls from the Wichita Police Department, excuse me, the Park City Police Department, saying they have gotten different phone calls to them. They don't like what you're doing. Uh, beef up security. We can only protect you so much. So we, hi we had 12 security people that night, one police department, paid person, the other internal security team for that event. We had an intruder in the building to harass the event, which we self-policed and, and took care of. Wow. So let's, uh, let me just say, as you're, you're having your time of prayer, you're praying for churches across America. You are personally 
one who has experienced the hostility while you were trying to reach out with the love of Christ uh, to those who are opposed to you. What is your prayer for the churches in our nation amid this rising hostility? My prayer would be the things that Tony Perkins and you guys are saying, now is the time to take a stand. So I'm praying that churches take a stand, be more vocal, less vocal, push back the bully. Remember, the different people in the incidences are not our enemies. They're the people that are being driven by forces and affections and emotions. And, and, and you know, we are labeled by the media as the haters. If you say that um, homosexuality is wrong, but we lovingly can help you find your true identity in Christ, we're labeled as a hater. So, for example, years ago, we had an incident where we took a stand on a pro-life thing, a very modest, normal thing. And I personally was called out by name on a national TV broadcast. And when I was called out by name on Rachel Maddow's program with my picture my name, when that happened, um, I got a death threat letter three uh, days later. But the night of being called out, all our windows were bashed in. They wrote on the school building, killed the pastor's wife. We didn't stop one moment. In, in the letter, it said that they would shoot me in the head as you haters have done to abortion clinic doctors and all that. Pastor, so we're going to have us. to wrap up with that. Yeah. Listen, I want to thank you, Pastor Rob Rotola. Uh, thanks for coming on Washington Watch, sharing your story, for standing strong. Uh, incredible. I, I thank you. And I just want to, as we close today, I want to tell everybody where you can get a copy of this report. Text the word CHURCH to 67742 or follow the link at TonyPerkins.com. That's it for today. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow right here on Washington Watch. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.